Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we are going to be looking uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 15 and going down through verse 24. And we've been in this great chapter of Hebrews. It's a chapter that tells us not to be weary when we have to go through suffering. It talks about why do uh, the righteous people have to suffer. And we talked about that we have so much encouragement in our suffering and in our trials through Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ endured all kind of suffering for us. All we have to do is look at what the way Christ lived his life. All we have to do is look um, at Jesus Christ on the cross. We have a picture of Jesus Christ on the cross, and Jesus was able to look past the cross into something far better. He endured the cross, okay, He because of the joy that was set before him. He was looking past the cross to the joy set before him, which is the joy of his heavenly kingdom. That's what he could look past. And when we go through troubles We can look past our troubles. We can look to the cross of Christ and look through that cross of Christ to the joy in heaven that is there for us too, to encourage us. So we want to run with endurance this race before us. We want to endure whatever hardship that we have before us because we have one that endured before us for us. And then if that's not enough, He says, just to encourage us even more, have you forgotten that God now addresses you as sons? He exhorts you, he encourages you as sons and daughters. And then he says that God doesn't, uh, God disciplines sons and daughters. Every son will be come to some discipline, okay? And he only disciplines those whom he loves. And it's because of God's discipline that we have to endure things. And whatever it may be, whatever hardship we may be going through or you may be going through right now, he's encouraging you. This writer, possibly Paul, is writing to encourage us 
to endure whatever we go through because it is God's love that we have to go through something. God never promises us a ticket straight to heaven. He promises us the ability to depend on Him. And that's what we have to do to endure in Him. The endurance so that we can then exalt Him through our endurance. Exalt Him because we're honoring Him through our dependency on Him. And all we have to do is look at the cross of Christ. But any discipline that we get down here in our earthly life is discipline for our own good, for our own holiness. So yes, our attitude matters. Our heart matters. Don't harden your hearts when you hear His words. That's what we've been talking about since chapters 3 and chapters 4, how important it is not to harden your hearts. Yes, your attitude matters. What we have to go through is for our own good. It's for our own good for His holiness, okay? We have to become holy and things that we have to endure serve to do that for us if we have uh, the right heart. And then He's warning us, don't, don't, um, don't be um, crushed by things that you have to go through or troubles, okay? Because at that point, if your heart starts... Um, being centered on yourself, your own pride, your own agenda, your own self-worth. You haven't really shared in Christ's death on the cross, have you? You haven't put yourself to death. God can't have your old heart. He doesn't want your old heart. He wants a new heart. He wants to he has to put his righteousness inside your own heart. You'll never you'll never change your heart unless you let that heart die on the cross with Christ. And so that's kind of where we take up in verse 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it may become defiled. Don't let anybody walk around with a hardened heart because of what they're going through. You have that ability. This is kind of like a double meaning here. Don't let yourself have a hardened heart because you'll miss the grace of God and you'll just be bitter by whatever happens to you. Okay? That's a real, real important point here. Yes, Jesus Christ died for you on the cross. And yes, you have eternal life through His gospel message. But no... He's not promising on the cross that He put uh, every trouble out of your uh, footsteps, that you're never going to have trouble as a Christian, or you're never going to have to suffer cancer, or you're never going to have to suffer some physical hardship, or the loss of a loved one. Or rejection by others, or you're ne- or you're you're still going to get hungry, and you're still going to have to work and have a job and get along with people. He never promised you complete easiness, did he? But all those things are there for you to endure for your own good, so that you can depend on the Lord Jesus. 
for your training, for your holiness, so that you can yield peaceful fruit of righteousness. That's what it says in verse 11. So don't fail to obtain this grace by being bitter. Or it says, see to it that no one fails. People around you, you're the light of the world now. You've got Christ's light in you. Make sure that people who are bitter around you or struggling around you, if they fail to obtain this grace of God, might be because you didn't help them understand. See to it. That's your job and my job. Make sure people around you see this grace of God that you have living inside you. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it may become defiled. If you see people getting bitter or torn in trouble or their hearts are hardened, let them know so that maybe they can they um, can turn things around and endure and lean on the Lord rather than trying to lean on themselves or their own intelligence for things. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. Esau was more worried about his belly than he was his salvation. He sold his birthright just because he was hungry. And then afterwards, verse 17, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. What Esau did kind of illustrates something that, you can sell your birthright. You can sell your inheritance. You have an inheritance too. It's in the, through the Lord Jesus Christ. So just like Esau, he had an inheritance. He gave that away because it's something he wanted. He wanted to gratify his physical body. Many people could sell their inheritance too, the inheritance that you have in the Lord Jesus because of what are you going to trade away? Is it you're going to trade away because of peer pressure. You're going to trade away because um, you've just got too many things on your list to depend on the Lord, to trade it away for who knows what. There's all kind of addictions in the world, all kind of things you'll put your faith in. Money, power, prestige, physical gratification, all kind of immoral behaviors. All that stuff could cause you to not endure for His holiness. And Esau was found no chance to repent. That doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that poor Esau never had that chance. But what it meant was his heart didn't change. He just wanted the money of the inheritance. He was crying like a baby because he didn't get the money. But it wasn't about the money. It was about his heart. And his heart never did change. So see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Don't you lose it. 
or fail to get it or anybody around you. It's this call to endure. And again, how do you endure? Look to Christ. Consider Christ. Consider Christ, that's verse 3. Looking to Jesus, that's verse 2. Okay? That's how you do it. Verse 18. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. That's because they were so scared. For they could not endure... Verse 20, they could not endure the order that was given. Even if a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. All right. That is a picture of what you don't have to do anymore. Okay. You have not come to that. That is a picture of in the Old Testament God giving the law to the people, and God was on Mount Sinai, and the people couldn't even approach the mountain because of God's glory. And if they did, they would die. And it was so terrifying that when God would give his word, and the people were around the mountain, they were scared to death. Have you ever seen a lightning storm outside, and it was, and, it, and when the crack of lightning comes, and it's really close, and it's, I mean... If a dog's in the room, the dog's going to run under the bed. Little children come running at you. They're terrified. My, my kids are scared of the thunder. You know, and you, you hear the wind blowing so hard, you don't know if it's, a, if it's a, a tornado outside. I've heard those winds, and it makes you want to get in a bathtub and and. and Curl up because you're so scared something's, the house is going to fall on you. That must have been even worse when you're at the bottom of Mount Sinai and the thunder and the, 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 the flashes of, of fire or lightning, the blazing fire and darkness, as it says. Well, that was the picture of the people getting the Old Testament law. They were scared to death, trembling with fear. Moses said, I tremble with fear. So the writer here, possibly Paul, is saying, you know, that's not what you have to do. That's not where you are right now. Verse 22, but you've come to Mount Zion. So as opposed to Mount Sinai, now we've got Mount Zion. And to the city of the living God. This is a new city. It's a city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. And to innumerable angels in festival. In festive, festival. I mean festal gathering. Yeah, that's the way it reads. Festal gathering. There is a, there is a great assembly of those. This is active worship. You have come to Mount Zion, living God, heavenly Jerusalem, innumerable angels, festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. The firstborn was 
called Jesus Christ. He was the firstborn. So you are the assembly of the firstborn. The assembly of the firstborn enrolled in heaven. That's what's going on. The living God. You have come to this. Spiritually, this is where there is a living God, a heavenly Jerusalem, innumerable angels. It's a picture, and as I read this, to me, it's a picture of what is going on right now. Heaven is now. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is now. It is here. And Jesus is at the right hand of the living God. That's where Jesus is. And we've been reading about Christ when we come into the rest of God, when we enter God's rest, Jesus then rested from his works. As God rested from his works, and after Jesus, Jesus then sat down. After his time on the cross, Jesus sat down at the right hand of God. His works are done his sacrifice is done. He doesn't have to do anything else. It's what Jesus did and nothing else. So we've got this picture here of this living city, this living God, heavenly Jerusalem, innumerable angels, festal gathering. And to me, the remarkable thing is the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. Okay? These are people who have passed away, but their spirits, their spirit is with God. And this these spirit, these souls of people will be with Christ as he comes back down to reestablish his kingdom. And when I read this, my heart goes back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. These are these are have already passed, that you may not grieve as others do. We don't have to grieve for people who've already died, as others do who have no hope. For since verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus God will bring him. Those who have fallen asleep, for this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive will be left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who've fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So will we will always we will always be with the Lord. Therefore encourage one another with these words. So through Jesus God will bring him those who have fallen asleep. The body's sleeping. You know, the body is sleeping, but the soul is with Christ. And the soul right now 
is the assembly of this firstborn. That's a picture to me of this city of this firstborn enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of angels. So it says you've come to this. You know, so this writer, possibly Paul, is encouraging people that this is what you've come to. This is what you have to look forward to. And this is this is this city of this living God. And the and Jesus Christ, when he comes back to heaven, he will be bringing those souls who are with him back down and the dead will rise and will be caught up with those who are alive in Christ. So those whose physical bodies have passed away will rise first and then those who are still alive when Christ comes back will be caught up together. So God's going to reunite those physical bodies with those who he will bring with him. Those souls. And people will get new bodies. They will be reunited with those who were alive when Christ comes back. And then everyone will be together again. That's just so tremendous. It's hard for me to um, it's hard for me to conceive all of this. But I think this is so very, very reassuring that we have the cross of Christ and we can look to this new kingdom, this city of the living God, this heavenly Jerusalem, and what is going right now, this assembly of the firstborn. These are people who are alive in Christ. That's what we have to look forward to. That's what we have to look to for our endurance. And when you look, when you look right now, when you're going through something right now, if you look past your suffering, to the cross of Christ, and then pass that cross of Christ to this new city of the living God, where there are innumerable angels worshiping right now. Jesus Christ is there right now. The living God is there right now. And the assembly of the firstborn are right there right now. All of those people who've endured, all of those people whose names are enrolled. It says the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. They're already there. Spiritually speaking, their souls are there. Even though their bodies are asleep here, maybe in some cemetery somewhere. Their souls are there and they are worshiping there. Doesn't that give you encouragement to endure 
and exalt His name? It does to me. So whatever you do, focus on that. Focus on Christ. Consider Christ who endured. So for me to all of you, God bless you. We'll leave it there and take it up tomorrow. I'll leave the rest of the podcast over. Turn it over to Matali, my co-host in Zambia. Matali, I hope you're doing great. And this stuff is so encouraging. What a great chapter 12, Hebrews. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Hello, so today's teaching is coming from Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 15 all the way to verse 24. So, scripture here at verse 15 begins with the sixth danger signal, which is the peril of denying. So, scripture reads, Looking diligently or carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest anyone root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So here, this has, um, you know, the thought of direction, looking unto Jesus. So here it begins with, um, you know, looking diligently, carefully. So we're looking in the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's a thought of direction. So we're looking unto Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. So the word fall here, you know, because it reads, um, looking care- diligently or carefully, least anyone fall. So fall here um, is not talking about, you know, the fall from grace, apostasy, actually. It means a fall, you know, to fall back. Um, you know, like we said, we're looking at the sixth danger signal, which is the peril of denying. So here it's actually to fall back. A believer must always keep his eyes on Christ because if they don't, you know, they fall back on something and not, um, you know, keeping um, their eyes on Christ, keeping our eyes on Christ and not on man. And if he doesn't keep his eyes on Christ, he will get to the place when he doesn't actually avail himself of God's grace. So God has a lot of grace and, you know, that he wants us to actually have because Christ paid the penalty for our sins and he is rich in mercy and grace, but we have to actually avail ourselves of it, of Christ's grace. If we want the grace of God, we have to look to him. And, um, um, you know, but, you know, we have to actually avail ourselves of it. And we don't, if we don't look to God for his grace, you know, bitterness will spring up eventually. Because the thing is, you know, I, I remember in one of Dr. Jeevan McGee's teachings, you know, it says, you know, if you don't have Christ in your life, obviously you're going to replace him with something else. It may be, you know, money, work, you know, just worldly things, you know, alcohol, drugs and, and things like that. So, you know, as Christians, we tend to fall back, you know, if we, if we don't look to God, we're going to fall back to something. And, you know, this is where this danger signal actually comes in, the peril of denying, because, you know, we don't look to him. So we we end up, um, you know, not moving, just we end up stationary and um, we end up in the end, we end up denying the Lord Jesus Christ. So it just takes one saint in a church, um, you know, to stir up more trouble. So it takes that one bitter saint who hasn't looked up to, to God's grace, who hasn't availed themselves to actually, you know, um, be blessed with the, the grace of God, to actually receive the grace of God, the grace and mercy of God. So verse 16 of Hebrews 12 goes on to read, Least there be any fornicators or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of 
food sold his birthright. So here now, you know, fornication here is spiritual. As you know, there is a danger of turning from God to the things of the flesh. You know, like I said, if you do not have God in your life, you're going to replace God with something. That's just human nature. So with and that's how we were created. So with Esau, he sold his spiritual birthright that um, entails to be in the line of the Messiah. So men should be the priests in the line of Abraham, and you know. Um, that's what he was supposed to be, Esau, but he didn't care for it. He didn't care like, you know, he was in the line of Abraham um, to be a priest. So um, profane here, the word profane here means um, to be against God. So Esau was a godless fellow. So he saw no need of any righteousness of God or any relationship to him. And so he actually despised his birthright he wanted nothing to do with it and you know saw it as something valueless and was willing to actually trade it in for a bowl of soup and that's what he did and you know there has been a lot of people today who have sold you know their souls today for you know money alcohol drugs sex you know so many of these things they have just sold their souls because they don't look up to god they look up to the things of the world so as a child of god you know you are either going to fall back or you're going to um or you're going forward so you won't stay in the same place you know uh i remember the statement dr jamie mcgee made you know for as long as it has breath it will keep moving so you will keep moving you will keep breathing and moving so it's either you fall back or you move forward and look to god so you won't actually just stay stationary verse 17 goes on to read for you know that afterwards when he wanted to inherit the blessings, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. So this passage, it gives the impression that Esau actually wanted to repent and God would not accept it. But here, scripture is actually saying something different. You know, people understand it differently. Like, oh, hey, Esau was, you know, he was remorseful and he went back and all. But here scripture is actually, you know, saying something different. Esau despised his birthright. And later on, he found out that, you know, there was a, an inheritance attached to it. And he would inherit twice as much as any other son of Abraham would inherit. And this is what he was actually interested in. He wasn't interested in God or his birthright. That's what he was interested in. He was interested in the physical thing. So his repentance was not that he wanted to turn to God and was looking for something spiritual. His repentance um, was different because um, he had missed something and he cried you know, for that, you know, he had missed that physical aspect of, 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 of his inheritance. He wasn't crying genuinely. So scripture goes on to read, I'll read from verse 18 down to verse 21. And it says, for you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burnt with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of the trumpet and the voice of the words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore, for they could not endure what was commanded. And if so, much 
as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I was exceedingly afraid and trembling. So here now, you know, this particular um, verses that I've read are all pointing to, you know, um, Mount Sinai, you know, where there was Moses, uh, where um, uh, Moses went, was receiving the law. Um, and um, this is what is being talked about here. So the giving of the law to Moses on top of Mount Sinai. So Mount Sinai represents the law. So it represents the old covenant. So the Hebrews that he, you know, this writer is writing to here had turned to Christ. So the early church on the day of Pentecost, you know, the 3,000 that were um, saved were Jews. So the early church for the first few years until Paul, Barnabas, and, you know, the other missionaries began to move out, they were 100% Jewish. And then the Gentiles were saved. So the writer is writing to the Jews here. So it's important to note that. So many of the Jews in Jerusalem that had um, turned to Christ found themselves at a great loss as, you know, they had been accustomed to the temple. They had been accustomed to hear the law being read. And now they felt, you know, shut out, shut away from it all because this is something that they were accustomed to doing. They felt shut out from the law. They shut, they felt shut out from the, shut out from the temple and are no longer put you know, in that system, you, sorry, I'm no longer part of that system. So they felt, you know, like they were on the outside. And the writer is saying to them that they have come to a different mount than Mount Sinai, where the, the law was actually given. So the 3,000 people um, were slain. And, you know, we can find this in Exodus chapter 37. Um, you know, were, they were slain. They're giving you know the giving of the law condemned the giving of the law killed so they don't need that anymore they didn't need to they don't need to go back to the law you know the law condemned and the 3000 people were saved on the day of pentecost you know those people who are given the law they the law just condemned them because you know the law could not provide you know could not save them so they had to actually you know provide a sacrifice every time to you know for their sins but now the ultimate sacrifice was provided in Christ so they were saved on the day of Pentecost. So um, they died at um, the giving of the law and they lived at the day of Pentecost and the preaching of the gospel. So the giving of the law was frightful and um, there was lightning and thunder and it was just like really, um, you know, you know, everything was trembling and all. So we have left that particular system because the law is terrifying. The law condemns. So we have left that system um because it could not save now we have you know um a savior a messiah who died for us and um he died for us and 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 he saved us he redeemed us so verse 22 goes on to read but you have come to mount zion and to the city of the living god the heavenly jerusalem and to an, innum an innumerable company of angels so here the writer is talking to Israel and Mount Zion is David's place. So he had a palace there and it was like his favorite place to actually um, hang out and his bones are buried there. So they had um, a heavenly Jerusalem now and Mount Zion is um, the heavenly city. So the city of the living God and it's the heavenly Jerusalem 
and you know in revelations it's called the new jerusalem and here it also talks about the angels you know and um, it says uh, mount zion and to the city of the living god and heaven in jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels so there's going to be angels so um it's not about angel worship angel worship is not biblical um i think we had a study on that you know where people actually um, tend to believe they can actually worship through the angels it's not biblical at all and um but you know there's going to be an innumerable amount of angels in that day in the new jerusalem so verse 23 goes on to read to the general assembly and church of the firstborn so here christ is known in scripture he is the firstborn son of god but here it's the first the firstborn that's being talked about here is the firstborns so these are the ones that are born again this is the church at the rapture so going to read who are registered in heaven to god the judge of all to the spirits of just men made perfect and here it says the spirit of just men made perfect it doesn't mean what we think like completeness perfect so this means old testament saints now that christ has actually died the salvation has been made complete for them because then in the old testament in the old covenant you know they did not have um you know um an ultimate sacrifice to actually redeem them but now their salvation has been made complete verse 24 goes on to read to jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of abel so jesus won't you know he won't thunder from mount sinai even when he was here he sat on a mountain and a hill and preached um so he is our mediator of the new covenant and abel's blood you know it cried vengeance but the blood of Jesus Christ speaks of salvation and we need today to get our eyes off the church, off religion, off organizations, off, you know, rituals, off man, because we need to put, stop putting our faith in like man. He's just man, not perfect, but we need to consider Jesus Christ. You know, when we started in the book of Hebrews, it said, consider him. So we need to look to him. Christ, um, you know, committed his life for us. So we are dead in sin and trespasses um we did not you know this phrase of commit your life to god like he doesn't want our life we're already dead in trespasses and sin you know he already committed his life to us or you know give your heart to god god doesn't want our filthy hearts you know because the heart is so evil um you know he wants to give us a new heart god doesn't want our hearts you know he wants to give us a new heart uh, he wants to give us a new life so we need the conviction of sin that we are sinners we need to confess and the conviction of sins and agree so once we you know attain that step and agree the conviction of sin and look to christ you know um only then you know will we be led by the spirit and um and yeah and um let's let's keep our eyes on the prize let's keep our eyes on the lord jesus christ so this is today's teaching very powerful very encouraging um teaching and um yeah thank you all for listening in god bless and have a pleasant thursday bye bye